stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. For more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken Smith. Certified Financial Planner, and I have a co-host named Ethan Broga, who's sitting right next to me, who's also Certified Financial Planner. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. This show is designed to teach you strategies to improve your financial situation through better investing techniques and financial planning strategies. We want to help you make us a lifetime of smart decisions, built uh, a lifetime building your wealth. We want to help you preserve and enjoy it. Today on the show, we're going to do a market update. We just had the quarter end uh, last week, Ethan, uh, after the, uh, we're, you know, just coming off the high holidays here. Right. And uh, thought we'd do a market update, then roll into a discussion about is now a good time to be investing in high dividend stocks with bond yields so low? Yeah, it's a good, good question. And uh, never will I go so low. Um no, with bond yields being so low. And and then also I want to talk about uh, new, that's uh, one of our new papers, and talk a little bit about Social Security and whether or not uh, investors out there should be, well, individuals at large mm-hmm. should be concerned about, will Social Security benefits be around? And it's something we talk about frequently with our our clients and, and uh, those that we help through financial planning engagements. So I thought we could get your expert top-level, top-drawer premium Platinum Plus advice on that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you got it. (laughs) And then uh, if we have time, Ethan... uh, I'm not sure that we will. Well, is there enough time? Um, Time is a precious commodity. But if there is time, then I thought we could do a client question, and and that question could be, uh, because we have received it very frequently... um, should you be structuring your fixed income portfolio with individual bonds, bond mutual funds, bond ETFs? Uh, what's the best way to do that? Right. And so we're going to help you. That's a good question. Frame that and uh, make make a smart decision based on what, Ethan? The empirical data. That's why this is empirical investing radio. It's the science of investing. Yeah, it's not just a one man's opinion here. No, no. Okay, well, Ethan. Okay. Then, with that being said, let's go down to the. I thought while you're updating us on the stock exchange um, information. Yeah, let's go down to the exchange. We'll play some music here while we walk down to the uh, exchange. Ooh, can you feel the beat? 
Wow, that's a that's a catchy tune. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Simon keeps us uh, up to the current current times. I'm gonna I'm gonna open the door here, Ethan. We're gonna walk out to the exchange. All right. Because uh, as we've talked about, I, I don't know. I see it on all the the networks. It seems to be a lot more exciting and uh, pertinent when you have the element of uh, realism of the stock exchange. I'm opening the door. Here we go. There we go. All right, Ethan. Wow. Yeah, I thought we'd just uh, quickly kind of recap the, the last quarter. Uh, so we have prices as of uh, June 30th here. Okay. For many of the funds that we, right. we have in the portfolios. Uh, let this guy go through real quick yeah. here. Well, hey, okay. excuse me. All right, Bob. Which no represents problem. major asset groups, basically, for uh, some of the components of our, our portfolios. And one thing that strikes me is, uh, well, surprising. I, I, I bring this up probably, well, I know I have in the last several uh, radio shows. Um, the highest performing asset class for last quarter, which is surprising to me and probably surprising to most investors, is the international real estate. Uh-huh. Uh, we did almost 5% for the quarter in that particular asset group uh, last quarter. So um, you know, a lot of people have been saying for years now, hey, get out of real estate, don't own REITs, that sort of thing. Right. But yet, right. they keep they continually surprise, I think. It, it continues to surprise you, is that what you're saying? It is. I mean, I'm a little surprised. I mean, clearly we have in our portfolios for a good reason, but just the general sentiment on that asset class has been negative, obviously, for quite some time. We'll step just a little bit over here. You can kind of get out of the skies way over here. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So that was the very top uh, major asset group, and then... The uh, domestic real estate did 3.7% just for the quarter. Again, that's a three-month return. That's still pretty good. Um, surprisingly, we had some equity-type returns among inflation-protected securities for the quarter, up 4.13%. Wow, that's explosive. It's like a 4th uh, of July fireworks show here, it's Ethan. It's pretty amazing for, for bonds in a very short period of time. Wow. So uh, some things that probably are surprising to most folks, and, and I'm, I'm somewhat surprised myself. Wow. Moving down the list a little bit. Yeah, um, let's continue down. Let's go to the exact opposite. The, what are the worst returns for the quarter? Kind of highlight a couple of those. Yeah, maybe like, uh, you know, top five or so, bottom five. I don't, well, let's I get, don't know what we're doing. Let's skip down to the, 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 the worst couple of okay. uh, asset classes. The worst one was commodities, down Holy 6%. Holy mackerel. 6% for the quarter, negative wow. 6%. Wow. Surprising to some, and clearly uh, gas prices have fallen a lot. I mean, uh, thinking about the energy situation in Libya and what's going on in the Middle East, I think yeah. a lot of people think, hey, this is this is going to continue to be a hot place, but a little bit of uh, good news or, or, or worries about easing economy, and you can see how things don't always work intuitively. Yeah, you never can predict. I mean, one of the things that happened here recently with oil, uh, obviously the, uh, the government released some of its uh, strategic oil reserves on the market. A large quantity of that, and it was in unison, in fact, with many, many other countries around the world doing the same type of thing. That's true. To help drive the price lower, which came unexpectedly. Unexpe- yeah, that's a good point. You don't know. Go ahead. What was next? Uh, the next worst performing was the U.S. small cap value, down negative 3.68% for the quarter. Um, I don't know if that's surprising into itself, but for the year to date still, however, that still is a, a positive return, about 4.8%. Okay. Uh, emerging markets, too, are also negative, negative 2.42%, uh, which may be surprising for some folks. Uh, but that's sort of the, uh, the short of it. We had some highlights there of the, the best returning asset classes and the worst returning asset classes. And there's a whole lot in between. No doubt. Um, if you look at the global equity approach uh, with the 
tilt towards small, tilt towards some value in there. The, uh, the, the DFA global equity approach. Where did we come in for the, the quarter on that, Ethan? Yeah, it was negative uh, 0.46%. Okay, so, so just a, a little percent. under a half a percent. Yep. So you got a, you got on the high end, what, close to 5% with, uh, was it international real estate Correct. last quarter? On the low end, you, you got commodities at down about 6%. Right. Um, you got you got a pretty good spread there. I mean, it's about, what, 10%, 11% spread yeah. um, from top to bottom, but that's over simply one quarter. Right. That's pretty good. I mean, that's a huge case for what we're talking about with the diversification. How many managers overweighted international real estate securities and underweighted commodities at the beginning of last quarter? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not saying that I do know. Right. I, I'd be curious, though, just for somebody to say, hey. I'm curious, too. If you we're all tempted and we talk about the smartest way to hold on to your capital is to do your best to ignore the day-to-day market news and the market prognosticators and the the strategic asset allocators that are constantly trying to rotate in and out of these sectors, primarily because it's incredibly unpredictable. And the spreads between those two returns, you know, yeah, we with the balanced equity approach, you're down about a half a percent. So, yeah, you weren't in the hottest asset class, um, but you also didn't lose 6% because you were in all commodities, right? Right. You were right, right you'd, what you would expect to see, right in the middle of the road, yep. kind of a portfolio. Ultimately, most of these asset classes have an expected return that's in a, in a much narrower range over, say, a 10 or 20-year period of time or further. Um, they're, they're all kind of gravity is pulling them towards some mean or average return. So by combining them, you get the advantage of having a smoother ride towards ultimately the same destination. Right. A little less bumpy road. Right. Less crevasses that you have to climb out of. That's a good point. I mean, I don't... Who wants... I saw a show. A guy fell in there. Um, it's pretty dangerous. Those crevasses? Yeah. Sometimes Definitely. you don't recover. That's sometimes true. So that's what we want to... We want to avoid the investment in your life. Uh, as it were. Ethan, go ahead. Uh, last thing, I just point out the, the year-to-date returns are somewhat similar. Uh, real estate for the year, up 10%. That's domestic real estate. Uh, international real estate, up about the same amount. Whereas the uh, the worst returning year-to-date numbers are, uh, again, commodities and emerging markets. Huh. They're, they're slightly negative, just a hair over 1% uh, for, the, for the year. Wow. So, food for thought, I guess. Little food for thought. Where were the, uh, where are we at on interest rates right now, Ethan? I, I just pulled up a bond market yield here. Uh, looks like just thought we could take a ganders at that. Uh, yeah, you're looking at treasuries. Yeah, give me the treasury yield. Yeah, uh, you know I have a chart in front of me here. Let me see how that oh, shakes to. out. I would love to. Uh, well, I can tell you that three and a half, or rather the uh, the three years at about uh, just under one percent. Okay. Uh, Ten years at about right around three percent. Uh, three months, six months, very very low. We're looking at uh, quarter percent. So okay. yields are remain very very low. Sitting at uh, on a five ten or a ten year treasury, still right around three percent or so, right? Yeah, US that's treasury. right. Here we go, three point one two five percent, three and an eighth on a ten year treasury, according to Bloomberg here. Um, five year, one and a half percent, and uh, you said yeah, three month is pretty much zero, right? 
Yeah, 0.01% is what we got it. Six months, 0.05% on treasuries. That's pretty painful. That's unreal. That's painful, and I I think that kind of leads into our next discussion, which maybe we should step out of the exchange here. It's a frenzy. It's a madhouse! It's a little loud, yeah. Okay, I'm going to close the door here, Ethan. Let's let's move on to that, and... um, Let's uh, let's try to shift gears into uh, a different uh, different discussion, and um, I don't know. Let's talk about it one more time, though, because I oh yeah, I really like this song. I like a little transition music while we're walking off the back to our desks here. <clears throat> Get a little. There we go. Okay. Well, this uh, this quarter we published a communication, a little paper. You can find that paper on our website uh, at EMPI Radio. You know what? We'll put it on our our, uh, company website, Empirical FS, E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S, Frank Sam for Financial Services, dot com, EmpiricalFS.com. Go to the resource section, and there's various papers in there. And this one isn't even out yet, but it's a little research that um, our analyst Stephen Gishard and myself we've been working on uh, dividends and debt and recently Ethan in the news mm-hmm. you know, if you read some of the general general press here Ooh. oh boy you know what we got to take a quick break Ethan let's take a break we'll come back right on this note Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. 
what would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Okay, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. This is Ken Smith speaking. We are talking about is now a good time to be buying high-paying dividend stocks. Is that a good strategy? That's what we're talking about, Ethan. I like Um, it. A lot of people out there are having a tough time building a fixed income portfolio that gives them income that they need. So I thought we could talk about this. We're writing a... wrote a paper that, again, will be published on our website. We encourage you to go and pull it down at empiricalfs.com. But I don't know if we gave out our general contact information and the normal call to action, Ethan, that you do. So I thought maybe you could jump into that, and we'll dive right back over to this discussion about high dividend yeah, sure. paying stocks is a good strategy. We can uh, Let me, uh, turn that off here for a second. All right. All right, go ahead. Yeah, our general contact information, if you're uh, just a individual investor out there or perhaps an investment professional that would like to, to give us a call. Uh, our number is, is 800-923-4307. And our email address is, what was that, Simon? Simon, sweet Maria. I guess Simon moving furniture while we'll get out the contact Guys information. party in here while we're <laughs> trying to... Uh... Anyway, our, our email address is contact at empiradio.com. And if you just... You're, you're, a regular individual looking for some, uh, perhaps some investment guidance, or maybe you have a question about uh, what to do with your portfolio, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you. Just feel free to give us a call here at the office, ask for Ken or myself, and mention the radio. And then, again, if you're an investment professional uh, looking to, to partner up with a, a very well-established firm that um, has created some great, great system and processes to help you run your business, we'd love to speak with you as well. And, again, we're doing one free financial makeover a month. So... If you are a listener, this is only for our radio listeners, and you have to come to us through this channel. But if you're listening and you want us to do a, re- a retirement, you know, basically a kind of a financial makeover, get you a budget going, a retirement plan, investment strategy, a general overview at uh, absolutely no charge, give us a call at, uh, again, 1-800-923-4307. That's, give us a ringy-ding. Oh, wow. That was fast, Ethan. Off the hook. Calls are, are flooding in here. Great. Can you go ahead and we'll grab that later. Simon will get it for us. Simon, grab that, would you? Okay, let's switch back over. Let's switch gears. So, is now a good time, Ethan? Should I be uh, should I be examining dividend stocks? Well, apparently, in the press, they are taking advantage of the low 
yields. You just went over the the bond yields. Five yeah. year Treasury at one and a half percent. Yeah, not good. You know, forget about it. That's, that's low. Uh, that's pretty low. Yeah. So people are are looking. Uh, you know, whatever the market cycle is, there's something going on that the. And I was explaining this to someone the other day that their job on the media side is to sell advertisements or to sell the the, the publications. Well, you look for something that is clearly on everyone's mind, and you kind of put uh, a little bit of a sizzleistic uh, headline on it. Did you say sizzleistic? Yeah, sizzly. Um, I like it. You sell the sizzle, not the steak. Oh, I see. Right, right. So you put a little sizzle behind it, and so some of the the uh, articles recently that have come up, and I mean, these are all 2011. I got the dates, assessing the value of owning dividend-paying stocks, New York Times, June third of 2011 new strategies for dividends wall street journal to th- june 4th 2011 can you can you feel the sizzle on that it smells like bacon yeah make the income flow was the title of the barons now that's pretty sizzly uh june 4th all the all these guys they must march in lockstep i don't know do they they share reporters or how that works out you got fed up with treasury yields try dividend stocks cnn money June 9th, 2011. The list could go on and on. I mean, we just pulled some recent ones here. But these are all within a day to uh, a week apart of the articles. I'm going to put some water on that there. Hold on a second. That is is a bit interesting. I mean, within a a couple of days, the same articles being published. Had to put the fire out. Yeah, so it's in the media, and I I think it's a very, uh, would be a very productive observation for investors out there to take note that the media does this for a reason, and it's not necessarily that they want you or even care about you making smarter financial decisions or having more money when you retire or throughout retirement. It's we need to take advantage of what the current market situation is presenting. And right now it's yields are low. Now, if you were writing an article and in one of these broader publications that said, stick with the strategy that you've been working uh, on in a disciplined fashion and consult your financial advisor that you've been working with for years, uh, it's probably the best. They they really wouldn't be able to catch a lot of attention. Um, But it's a little frivolous in my view because some of the advice, and and I'm going to talk about this. We're going to delineate this, Ethan. Mm -hmm. We're going to shine the light on this thing. We're gonna we're gonna light that light that fire, and uh, it's it's it, it's dangerous to an extent, and and we'll go th- let's let's start with this. So dividend, we know interest rates are, are low. Um, if we look at the uh, Treasury curve, and we took went back to 1982, and we do this for a nice chart in the paper here. But if you just go back to 82, and you look at the the yield curve. The three-month treasuries, on average, not even just the high point in the early 80s, right, when rates were um, very high, right? This is just the average of the yields each year all the way to now. So it it takes that all into account. But the average has been closer to 5%, a little under 5% on a three-month T-bill, Ethan. Wow. And you remember, you've been in the business in the 90s, right, when when just the money market in in a... Custodian was four to five percent yeah, interest, higher. right? Just in the money market, and we're like, "Hey, it's just sitting there." Um, and now you're getting virtually nothing. Okay, so for the last what has it been year or two here? We've had pretty, pretty 
pretty low, low interest rates. Yeah, two years. Now, on the con- on the flip side of that, though, bond returns have have done okay. Like if you had a diversified bond portfolio, you actually didn't do badly. Like if you did five year treasuries and you said, hey, well. Over the past five years, owning a basket of, of five-year treasuries or an ETF that's just owned five-year treasuries, you average your adjusted return, inflation re- adjusted. It's after backing out the inflation, because we like to talk in real returns mm-hmm. when we can, uh, is almost 5% over the past five years. Um, wow. And I think sometimes people lose sight of that. Now, part of that's because interest rates were coming down, um, and when that happens, the values of the bonds increase. Right. So, so there's something to to consider there, but that that return is is more than double the historic real return uh, of five year treasuries, which is averaged about two point three percent. Okay. So what I'm saying, what's my point with that, is that well, where current yields are doesn't always reflect the return that you would have gotten or will get over the course of your time horizon, and there are periods of time where yields get below average in times where they get much higher than average, but they tend to gravitate and come back around. But it's that total return that you want to stay focused on. So that's one concept to take away. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I consistently do that with folks who, when I'm meeting with them in, in, in client review meetings, ask about, uh, hey, what are the bond returns doing? And I, I show them, well, obviously we know that yields are pretty low, but hey, what have your returns been in terms of total return? And I point that exact same thing out over the last one and two years uh, or longer. You know, the return's been plus 5%. How is that possible when yields right. are so low? Well, it's because there's another component to the return. Okay. So the current fixed in- in- income environment relative to the historical yield curve average, if we go out to five or 10 years, I mean, historically, a 10-year treasury has been uh, above 6%, between 6 and 7%, where we just talked about the fact that it was about 35 right now. Uh, we recognize that. So what's this commonly proposed solution? What's currently out in the in the market media that, that we're going to try to help you navigate through is, well, are high-yielding dividends, uh, high-yielding stocks an idea, a better idea than bonds? Um, and, and this idea that bonds are very risky right now, uh, is that empirically based? Is there any evidence that says that with the right bond approach, you're taking on similar risk as you would buying stocks. And another question, are dividend stock high yielding dividend stocks less risky than the general stock market, which incorporates all stocks, stocks that don't pay any dividends? I think the implication with these articles and that what you see is that they're somehow less risky than the bond market, right? Or just the general stock market. And in my view, Ethan, mm-hmm. which my view happens to be backed by ample empirical and uh, scientific research, uh, that's just, I guess, a coincidental bonus <laughs> uh, <laughs> of not you know, being, a, I guess, just a general um, article writer, but actually having to be responsible for running individuals life savings and portfolios, I think you have a different level of standard that you adhere to. Sure. Well, that's, you know, we look at this as we started to tear this all apart and look for the for the data on this, uh, Ethan. What you find is uh, that you don't get a lot of protection from high dividend yielding stocks. And if we look at the last downturn, there is a uh, an index out there. It's called the S&P High Yield Dividend Aristocrats 
index. And what that index is, Ethan, is it's just a group of stocks that is composed of firms that have a history of paying dividends for the last 25 years. So I think what, what, what they're trying to do is say, hey, we don't want a company that just shows a high dividend now. I mean, that could be a, a flash in the pan, as it were. Right. Uh, they want to make sure that these are companies that have a very, very long track record of paying dividends. Um, so we're going to have to take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about this further, the idea of should you be investing in high-dividends-paying stocks? Is that a better strategy? We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. 4307 or visit our website at empiricalfs.com that's e-m-p-i-r-i-c-a-l-f-s.com our mission at empirical is to provide clients with the most effective unbiased investment and financial planning advice available empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients interests first call us now to get started with a no cost no obligation discovery process the number again is 1-800-923-4307 or you can begin this process on our website at empiricalfs.com if you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line Tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are there any challenges to your success? You already have what it takes to turn these challenges into results in any area. Find out more when you tune in to The Power of Realism, Why Integrity Matters, with host Jeffrey Canavan. We all deal with adversity and challenges in life and business. We'll talk with those individuals who have faced these challenges and turned them into success stories. By making just a few shifts in your thinking, you too can be one of these success stories. The Power of Realism airs live on Thursdays at 10 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. Ken Smith and Ethan Broga here coming at you live from Seattle, Washington. We're talking about high-paying dividend stocks. Is that the strategy that, that you should be examining right now? Is it the best approach to today's current market environment? Should we be shifting our attention and focus away from low-yielding or no-yielding fixed income, money markets, and, and uh, bonds, 
and also away from those so-called risky stocks out in the marketplace that don't pay dividends that could you know there's there's a little bit of an unknown variable there and be shifting them into high dividend paying stocks because what's better than cash ethan cash is king that's what they say that's what they say um you can get your hands around that you can get your hands on it and 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 so that is currently i think if we were to try to identify what the conventional wisdom would be it would be that Right now, based on the variety of major, major news uh, network and, and uh, financial media that, that I, I went through, at least four articles that were all within a week apart, um, talking about this. And, and this discussion, I mean, I just picked four that came out in June, but we could have talked to, for the last year or two. Uh, there's been several articles about this and discussions. And so that we were talking about, let's take a look, you know, do... do Let's first address, do high-paying dividend stocks provide any kind of downside protection? Are they safer than general stocks in the market? Let's start with that and and attack that empirically. So what we have is, one of the things we like to do then to say is, well, do we have the data? Um, If we were to look at these kinds of stocks, do we have some data that we can track to see if this is true? And there is an index out there. The S&P High Yield Dividend Aristocrats Index. We were talking about that it's 25 uh, uh, stocks that have, not only do they have a a history of paying dividends, Ethan, but they've increased their dividend for each of 25 years, the last 25 years. So even a stronger um, presence of dividends. Not just, hey, we paid it, but they have that history of increasing it. Right. You know what I'm saying. Um, so what we're talking about here is this means that they were during recessions, financial crisis, um, over the past generation, these, these companies have paid their shareholders more and more each year. So many of the companies, examples of these companies, Ethan, would be things like uh, success stories like Walmart, Johnson & Johnson, Coca-Cola. I know you like to tilt back a Coca-Cola with your friends on occasion. Yeah, I like a cool refreshing beverage. Sure. These companies um, also happen to have a higher yield than the market as a whole. So the average on these right now is about 3.7% yield. Oh, yeah. Uh, relative to the entire S&P 500 index, yield there is about 1.8%. So they, they not only have this long history of increasing dividends, they happen to be concentrated on a, on a group of stocks that has a higher dividend rate, almost twice the rate of the general stock market right. as, as a whole as measured by the S&P. Okay. So if, if you were going to say, hey, does this strategy of picking these higher dividend stocks, um, did they protect me in a downturn? You know, you might think these would be the companies. This would be a good approach. Yeah. It seems odd to throw out recommendations to buy something because it's less risky uh, or a better strategy, but not support that with the data, right? So let's, ter- let's take... Let's let's lift the hood on this red dragon and see what's what's under there. <laughs> right. um, well, during the financial crisis, if we look at it, the dividend stocks were just as risky as the rest of the market. Ethan, if you look at the table we put together on this, um, you had the dividend aristocrats index. It fell forty eight percent, and that forty eight percent is net of the dividends they paid. So it's after accounting for the fact that you received the dividends, you still experienced a forty eight percent loss of your capital. Wow. So I, I don't know you know if, if, if you can say that, but if we look at the empirical data on this, 
it, it's not showing that that protection was there. Focusing on higher dividend-paying stocks or stocks that have a long history of dividend, it certainly didn't provide you with a lot of downside protection during the financial crisis. Yeah. Um, now, now, fi- now, if we look at this again, um, yeah, the, the S&P dropped about the exact same amount, 48%. Right. Um, but let's take a look at five-year treasuries. So if we're saying, hey, get out of treasuries, if that was your thought. I, if you're looking at treasury bonds, five-year treasuries, and, and if we could pause momentarily, why five years, you're probably asking. Well, the risk, right, if, if we are in a bond bubble, the real risk of interest rate, you know, risk of interest rates going up very rapidly and the value of your bond really, really gets serious when you get out longer duration, longer term bonds. If yeah, you're buying 30-year bonds, right. if it was a zero coupon bond and it had a dur- what's called duration, which is really just a, a kind of a measure of interest rate volatility, if a 1% increase in interest rates happened overnight, the, you can in that bond which is wildly significant, you know, a pretty big... A 1% move for every year of duration, right? That's right. So the formulas get a little more complex in how these... It's just a very rough, rough estimate. If you had a five-year duration bond, then a 1% move in interest rates overnight, like this season, would would equate to approximately a 5% change. Significantly different. Well, if we look at when bonds particularly high-quality bonds of that shorter duration, when do they provide the greatest amount of diversification benefit from uh, of stocks in a financial crisis? Certainly owning dividend stocks was not the solution, but the five-year treasury over that time rose 19%, Ethan. Wow. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty good. Um, so y- y- that's, a, that's a 19% increase. Um, oh. Yeah, it's it's shocking. It is right? surprising. Um, no, it, it shouldn't be surprising at all. Actually, it should be very intuitive and rational. Stocks were in utter chaos. Yeah. Who cares if the stock pays a dividend or not? We don't know if the stocks are going to be around tomorrow. We didn't know how far and how deep this crisis was going to reach. Um, many people thought, "Hey, we are going into a global depression." Some people thought that there would be no capital market, that it would collapse or implode upon itself. Right. We weren't necessarily subscribers to that, but that was a concern. So whether or not the company pays a 3% dividend or a 1% dividend or no dividend was probably not the top issue. Now that that's gone, it's easy to, to write articles and kind of discount the risk and say, well, hey, geez, you're earning nothing in a treasury. Well, one, the return isn't the current yield. So if you're going to own bonds and you're going to own those bonds for the next 20 years, or you will own a group of bonds, not probably the same exact bond, but let's say we own five-year bonds today and we keep buying new ones because we've built a portfolio that we keep reinvesting. Over time, what we will get is not today's yield, right, of 1.5%. Over time, we will get the cumulative average of the yield at which we bought several different bonds over time and the total return of those bonds that they provided, including the capital appreciation or depreciation from the bonds, um, which will reflect what happens in interest rates. So if we owned if we owned a, a five-year bond and current rates are yield is 1.5%, but we did a ladder and we bought a, a one-year, a two-year, a three-year, four-year, and a five-year bond, Ethan. 
And when the one-year bond, when 12 months from now comes due, we reinvest it on the, the five-year end. But next year, maybe five-year yields are not are no longer 1.5%. Maybe they wind up being 2%, just as an example. Mm-hmm. That changed the return nature of the, of the portfolio. And the next year after that, it happens, and rates go up again. Um, you have a very risk-managed bond portfolio, one in which, hey, even if they go up rapidly, I've got limited amounts of volatility. Mm-hmm. But my total return, I think people lose sight. They immediately think whatever the current yield is, that's what they 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 have been sentenced to that, a lifetime of 1, 1.5% return. Right. Um, when that hasn't been the case for the, even the last five years. Yeah, right. Uh, and even the last, if we look at last year when yields were very low, our bond portfolio, which included treasuries and credits, right. and all of that did substantially better than what each individual yield was, or the yield on, a, say, a treasury or five-year treasury, whatever, at the beginning of the year. Yes. Because it was total return. Exactly. So we've debunked the uh, the false statement about or, or implication that somehow there's less risk involved with stocks that pay dividends. And let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, if we look at uh, uh, why why did they fall? Like why why would why would they fall just as much? Well, one of the reasons maybe Ethan is that dividends, unlike a bond which has in its indenture a stated coupon rate that it that it must pay unless it goes is willing to go into default on the on the bond. Mm-hmm. Paying dividends, regardless of how long a company has the track record of doing it, is entirely at the discretion of the company's management. So the company can decide, you know what, we don't have the money to pay a dividend um, this year. you know, Or, you know what, we're not going to raise it this year. Or we're going to lower it a little bit because we need some cash flow. Um, and this idea, when we come, we're, we're going to have to take a break here in a few minutes either few seconds i'm sorry okay when we come back i want to talk a little bit about this idea of total return and and the structure of the tax a little bit about the tax code with the dividends and why a company that pays a dividend is not necessarily superior than a company that doesn't but companies that tend to be value companies do tend to do better um, and dividend can be a measure of that but there are other ways of measuring value as well and i want to differentiate that um, we'll be right back. Sounds we'll come good. back on this. Should you buy, should you be looking at pay, buying high dividend stocks? We'll be right back. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. 
Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at empiricalfs.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, and we're back. Empirical Investing Radio. Your host, Ethan Broga, along with Ken Smith. We're talking about dividend-paying stocks. We've written a paper on this quarter, and we're going to post it to our website for all of our listeners to review. And we're just getting into the uh, the section of this conversation when we talk about dividend-paying stocks and relative to other metrics like, like value or book-to-market and other ratios. So, Ethan, we were breaking down uh, the myth, the market myth, that somehow high-paying dividend stocks are safer or insulated from market downturns more so than, and we don't even have to go any further than this last market decline to show that, you know, we use the S&P dividend, uh, high yield dividend aristocrats index to show that it dropped 48%, which was about equal with the entire S&P. Right. Um, that, that includes companies that don't pay any dividends. And we, we talked about the fact that for those of you who are just tuning in uh, about the fact that, uh, you know that these these dividends one of the reasons why we don't expect there to be less risk is that dividends are discretion uh, discretionary and and we didn't have time to get to the next example which is there was an article uh in July of 2007 the street published an article listing the top 9 best high yielding stocks and every one of these i get these publications money magazine kiplingers and all these and from time to time see the, the 10 best stocks to own or well the flavor of the of of the day here is the dividend thing right um, but in 2007 this article said the top 9 best yielding stocks that were supposed to provide the stability with continually rising dividend payments well it turns out Ethan that the dividends were not not nearly as safe as they seem to be because as of 2011, while the stock market has recovered significantly, six of the nine companies have lower dividends than they did in the year 2007. Wow. Uh, and even counting the three that had increasing dividends, so there were three out of them that did, the average dividend has declined across the group of the nine companies by 37%. Wow. So what we're saying is what you buy today 
may not be what you're getting a year from now. You know what I mean, Ethan? Yeah, that's pretty startling. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, what you're signing up for may not be what you wind up getting because you, you have no power to hold the man. Oh, I'm sorry. What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? So past past performance does not predict future results? It's no guarantee <laughs> that those dividends are going to be there. Right. Um, if you look at Bank of America and Wachovia, two of your favorite organizations, Ethan. What do you mean by favorite? I'm just kidding. Okay. No. I know you have no love for either of those organizations or no dislove. Correct. Correct. Um, <laughs> they're paying less than, you know, their div- the current dividend is 90% lower than what it was four years ago. Wow. Na- that's nine zero. 90% 10%. less. Yeah. Wow. So if they paid a dollar, if right, it's 10 cents now yeah. on the dividend. So the dividend wasn't... There's no there's no guarantee that it's going to be there, um, and you know in summary, moving on, the performance of dividend paying stocks during a financial contra- crisis contradicts this often repeated idea that that dividends provide some sort of downside protection when when they fall or that you can rely on them continuing into the future. The idea of finding companies that historically have increased their dividend is something called data mining. Where you're you're taking out of the whole thousands of stocks, the the ones that managed to be successful, the ones that have done that right, but identifying them 25 years ago in advance out of a, out of however many stocks paid dividends, um, that would be a different story. Yeah, and if you had a, a track record that was 25 years long, like you had a you have a dividend paying stock strategy that literally over the last 25 years. Uh, let's say among large company stocks that actually have performed the S&P 500 for 25 years in a row, then maybe you got something. But any short intervals of time between then um, is nothing to hang your hat on. It's not, not enough, not long enough data. Yeah. So um, moving along here, Ethan, dividend-paying stocks had higher returns. Well, one of the reasons, if you say, why would somebody even do this in the first place besides this idea, if, it, if we debunked the risk management part, it's because there's this... The other element of it is that it's being purported that there's higher returns, right? That if you focus on high dividend stocks, you'll expect to have higher returns. Uh, and historically, dividends have made up about half of the historical returns of stocks. Um, you, you know what I'm saying? Like half of the, re- of the return you would have received. Um, and you can divide stocks into two categories. Those that pay a dividend and those uh, that pay a large dividend, those that pay a small dividend. Stocks that, that pay a large dividend, though, if you really look at what's going on, they tend to be considered cheaper stocks, more value-style stocks in financial jargon. Mm-hmm. So stocks with smaller div, small dividends tend to be categorized as more growthy or growth stocks. Now, historically, the real issue here is not the dividend. It's the cheapness of the stock. And historically, cheap stocks, value stocks, have performed significantly better than expensive growth stocks when you sort by simply dividends alone. If you use dividends as a measure of of how expensive or rich a company is, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk fast because we only got a couple minutes and I want to get through this, Ethan. So bear with me. Oh, hang on tight. Okay. Strap your, as it says on our entry, put your seatbelts on. You're going to need them. <laughs> so what we have here is now we're getting to the crux of these returns. If it's cheap stocks... And we know sorting by d- dividend is one element of, of determining that. What you see is that, and um, skip to the chart, that if you high dividend to low dividend stocks, 10.9% a year, 
in return on average versus 8.9. So you got a 2% premium by focusing on cheap stocks using the dividend screen as, as the what defines cheap versus expensive or growth versus value. Okay. But if you did it by another accounting measure, which was book value of the company, so it's taking the assets of the company and adding all those up and then taking the price that you pay for the company and taking a ratio of those two as a measure, then you get to include stocks that don't pay dividends but are still cheap. And what you find is you also include companies that tend to be smaller because small companies, only about uh, a, a very small percentage tend to pay. The really small companies pay dividends. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. Yet they have very high returns. So what you did there is you took the return up to 12.4% a year. Uh, this is you know using the, um, the Fama French data. In, instead of 8.8%. So you, you had a gr- much greater increase in, in the differences of return wow. by using a different metric. So what, what the idea of using dividends, Ethan, as a high return solution, it gets the argument onto the wrong page. It's kind of, uh, it, there's a correlation there, but it's it's not the best way of doing it. It's it's taking the focus and putting it on the dividend instead of what's really going on, and it's buying stocks that are value stocks or cheap stocks. Right. And if you're sold on that, then it's uh, there's better ways of doing it. And the way we do it when we construct our portfolios is we use a diversified value funds that include dividend and non-dividend stocks. Right. And either we only have a few seconds, but I, I know you want to make a comment about risk. Oh, just briefly, circling back to our previous part of this conversation, uh, in my view, I, I was saying off the air here that you, you wouldn't want to go out and load up on dividend-paying stocks with, with money that should be in, in bonds anyways. You, know, right. you don't take stock risk for bond money. They're apples to oranges. Unfortunately, we're out of time, even though we're very passionate about trying to get this out. We'll be back next week, and, and we'll have a lot of more good stuff. We'll see you then. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week.
Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 